Welcome back to the I Wish You Knew podcast. My name is Sarah Dawn Moore, and I'm joined by my friend Adam Lane Smith. And today we're going to talk a little shop, coach to coach, about some of the worst stories and some of the clients that we get. What do you think about that, Adam? We're going to have to put a warning on this one, Sarah, because this is going to be an intense episode. Some of these stories, are, are they might trigger you a little bit, so be aware of that. We're going to have to change some names to protect our client privacy because you and I are both really, really paranoid about protecting people's privacy, of course. But you guys are going to get a deep dive behind the scenes of what it's like when coaches talk shop, when we share tips, and how we help people overcome some of the worst problems you can imagine in relationships. And of course, there is no judgment in this. This is our job. We have experienced some of these stories ourselves, but we have also learned to overcome them and we help our clients overcome them as well so that they can have the relationship that they have always wanted. And as you watch this, you might just pick up some tips that could be helpful for you. You might decide that you need some of this help. If so, you can contact us later, but listen to these stories and see if they resonate with you because there are solutions to be found for every relationship problem out there. So listen up and you'll probably find something that'll help. So let me, let me start off with saying um, there's kind of two types of clients that will come to me, Adam. Okay. And, you know, I, I predominantly coach men, although I do have an amazing course uh, for both men and women, but men find me because they face a couple different challenges. Um, one, they can't necessarily get past a first date. They might get a first date, but they can't seem to keep a woman. They either overly smother her with everything they have and then she gets scared away like a little deer running in back into the woods mm -hmm. um or or i have very very successful men who have great careers who are well put together who seemingly have their stuff together but um they don't they don't necessarily attract the most emotionally available women. Mm -hmm. uh, they work a lot. And some of the women that are attracted to them aren't really relationship material. And then they wonder what happens mm -hmm. or, or they feel suffocated when they do meet an emotionally available woman. Who's like, I want more of your time. I want more of you. And, and then they push that away because they are just very focused on work. So there's a couple different things and a, a, a smorgasbord of other clients in there. But so Sarah, those guys sound, uh, they, have, they have similar problems. They can't connect to a woman, but they are very different approaches and very different reasons for that having that problem. Which one do you think is harder to fix? Which one has, needs more direct assistance to really get out of that hole? Mm. Honestly, I would say the guy who is a bit of a workaholic or, you know, throughout his life, he has believed somewhere that love can be achieved. So he will work to achieve love or he will work to impress uh, this woman or he will go after the most high value woman that there is, you know, eight, nines, tens, beautiful women um, and he will pedestalize her and then she will start to show some of her true nature and, um, you know, the fall from grace happens and he kind of, he loses interest or it starts off really hot and heavy. And they say, I love you within the first week. <laughs> There's all sorts of things that happens in the dynamic, but ultimately, um, he will feel suffocated by somebody who is emotionally available. So really teaching him how to step into that and how to be uncomfortable with the discomfort that he's feeling when somebody does show up in a way that is demanding of his emotions sometimes can be a lot harder than a guy who just has to back off a little bit, you know, and has to get some self-esteem. And once he's okay, once he gains that self-esteem, the guy who's a little bit of a nice guy, who's a little bit needy, mm -hmm. then he feels, oh, okay. Like he's, he's all right. Like he can pace the dating process. But the guy who is a workaholic and who thinks that he can achieve love and thinks that a woman will just automatically kind of show up for him because he's successful, mm. I have to really um, reframe that that's just not how you connect with oh. a woman. What about yourself? What are some some of the men that you coach? That is so true. So I, I've definitely got three groups of people that come to me and I would put single men in the same in the same group. And yeah, you know, the the nice guys who chase off women. 
right? They come to me and, and just like you said, you know, we can usually knock that problem out four or five sessions. We basically do a teaching of, look, this is what women want from you. <gasps> it is? And they're, they're stunned. And and this is how you run your first three dates. You mean there's a method? And, and they're just blown away that the first couple dates should have a, a goal to them. They were just happy to get a woman to the table. And, and this is how you roll into the first year. The first year? You mean there's a way to filter in the first year that I won't get hurt? <gasps> and then they're shocked. And, you know, four or five sessions and they are good and they get a girlfriend and a two year, year and a half, two years later, I get a nice wedding photo or something like that. You know, nice guys, fairly simple to fix. Mm -hmm. You're, you're so right. You hit it out of the park. You know, your stuff is the avoidant guys. The, I have not really connected to anybody. Love is not going to happen, but good feelings might happen. I don't know how to continue that. I don't know how to be vulnerable. It seems weird. Why would I do that? And it, you know, eight sessions, 10 sessions in, that's when they really starts to click and they start to really find, okay, this is what love means. This is how to connect. Now I have a family. Now I have friends. Now I've been intimate, emotionally and vulnerable with people, but I haven't got destroyed or wounded, mm. right? It takes longer to build that safety net, that emotional connection. And then this is what you can have. So many of them, they, their relationships, yes, they can be difficult relationships, but even if they're married, I get a lot of married guys in from that. And they've never emotionally connected to their wife. And their wife has told them, hey, you know what? I need more emotional connection. Can you talk to me? Where's the emotional intimacy? I don't know if I'm feeling this, this sex thing right now because we're not bonded. And they have no idea what she's ever meant. And it takes a while to even teach them, like, this is something you missed. Mm. You didn't get this emotional intimacy. I was about to say, I, I you know, I kind of want to chat about just so that the men who are watching and even the women who are watching mm. can kind of identify with mm. the early patterns that might lead to what this looks like in oh. an adult relationship. Oh, because man. a lot of it for me, what I find is there's a common, common theme. Mm -hmm. A lot of them did not have mothers mm. that provided this kind of safe, emotional a construct for them to feel like they, that they could emote or they could even feel safe to connect with a woman. A lot of their mothers kind of abandoned them yeah. or they had a really strict father who was super, you know, punitive and punishing. And so for them, uh, emotional intimacy is like mortal danger. Yeah. <laughs> it's like flashing lights of, oh my gosh, this is too much. I have to create space to protect myself, but they don't even know sometimes that they're doing it on such a subconscious level. And, and what that does is that attracts another wounded woman who potentially didn't necessarily have the safety from her father. Mm -hmm. So then they enter in and at first there's like fireworks and it's hot and it's heavy and the sex is good and it's like dopamine 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 uh -huh. <laughs> they're so used to getting that hot and heavy and then things just kind of start to fizzle out and they're going wait why why don't i feel an emotional mm -hmm. connection what or why don't i feel attracted to this person anymore why yes and, and so what do you what do you think about what tell me what your experience <laughs> the, is the, exactly right the one year the one year cliff let me tell you a little bit about our sponsor today rugged legacy because guys there is nothing better than a well-kept well-groomed man so if you want her to kiss you more without feeling like she's kissing sandpaper this does the trick works 99.9% .9 of the time. The one year cliff, right? Yeah. Uh, we are at eh, seven months, 10 months, and it's the novelty has worn off. What you said was so right, that dopamine binge. So many times people with avoidant attachment, they are, they are used to feeling good rather than feeling close. Mm -hmm. And those are such different things because they never got that oxytocin bond as kids, right? So many of my male clients, they live overseas, they're financially successful. They uh, Maybe their father was an ambassador and moved all the family all the time. And they learned to never get close to friends because the relationships will just fall apart in two years. Their their father was just emotionally absent. He was, he was there on weekends maybe, but he was just never there. Mom was also very anxious and emotionally distant. So she kept the home, but she hovered all the time and she didn't really bond with the kids. So they've never learned what bonding feels like. It's all the Ooh, novelty. Hover, hover. Hovering. First, let, that, that that's so good. Hold on. We got to spend a minute there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hover, control, 
versus creating a safe space to be, to be able to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. So it's like when somebody critiques them or when a woman, uh, what I notice with my clients is like when a woman will give them feedback, he, they just feel like it's such an affront. Like it is such a, uh, their defenses just go up and they become, they just lash out and they say, don't try and control me. It's almost as like they're reverting Mm -hmm. to, to a childlike state where they are trying to assert themselves because they, because that they don't want to feel controlled by that motherly figure. Yes. Nobody took them seriously Mm. and nobody gave them the space to breathe. And that's why those guys, they run. When somebody tries to get too close to them, they run. It feels like a threat. If their their wife or their girlfriend says, talk to me, his brain starts saying, how will the information that they want from me be used against me? Mm. How will I get rejected? They're not, they're not afraid of abandonment. Like the nice guys are afraid I'm going to get abandoned. I'm a fraud. No one will ever accept me because of me. The guys you're talking about, yeah, it's rejection. It's trapped. It's hurt. And, and the hell of it is they, they want something, but they don't know what it is. So they chase the dopamine. So the one-year cliff, right? They, this is where a lot of people, they get on the apps mm. or they get on Instagram or they get back on, on the hub, as the young people call it nowadays, the porn hub. Mm. And, and they're, they're cruising the hub in, in their spare time. They're trying to get that dopamine. And their brain starts to say, I will never feel good again because I'm in this relationship with this person and it's just not feeling good. And people say, why? Or they, people or they think the chem, like, oh, the chemistry is gone. Chemistry or is the gone. The chemistry is gone. The passion's gone. Something has changed. I'm not as attracted. Right. I'm not, I don't feel as good. Like I, I, <laughs> there's some, there's a guy I was coaching and, and God bless him. He was amazingly honest and we worked through it, you know, with, with a lot of, a lot of time, a lot of um, practice, role playing, really understanding how dating is like how secure people really date, how they enter in. What does it feel like? What does it look like? And he very successful, very driven, um, extremely smart. There's a lot of these guys too are hyper intellectual. Oh, They're very like smart. so very smart. almost like too smart for their own good. And they like, they hyper intellectualize. And so, you know, he would enter in and, and have these, have these women four or five, you know, seven hour dates, mm-hmm. or he would mm-hmm. come in and he would like show them everything. And he would, you know, they, there's this, the feeling good, right? The, I'm going to get this woman mm-hmm. to like me. Mm-hmm. Like I am not going to be rejected mm-hmm. and I'm going to give her, I'm going to roll out the red carpet. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to show her everything that I have. So it's almost like hook, bring them in, mm-hmm. get them in. And then all of a sudden, you know, that's when he will start to potentially lose feelings. And she is just so trauma bonded because she wants to feel good Mm because she's looking for that potential father figure Mm -hmm. that didn't give her the love that she needed. So she's like, Oh my gosh, this man thinks that I am the bee's knees. Mm -hmm. I am amazing. Mm -hmm. He is is so into me. And then we have sex and then they bond. And Mm -hmm. then, and then six months later, there are tears rolling down. Mm -hmm. it's just a bit of a bit of a disaster what else you know because you studied attachment because you were you know um licensed for many many years what are other things that that might contribute to this type of dynamic between these two individuals because i think that this is really common in the dating scene oh man so yeah i was a licensed marriage and family therapist for many years and I, that's another group that I, I work a lot with is couples, couples who come in and I hate to say the, the spark is gone, but that's often how they'll express it. And, and not even that the woman's sex drive is down. Sometimes, sometimes that is the problem. But couples who come in where the man's sex drive is down and he hates it. And they're both like, we have tried everything, Adam. You don't understand the things we have tried to get this sex drive back up. And they, they fight a lot about emotional disconnection, but it's not, that's not the problem. He just, he cannot bring himself to desire her anymore. And these women, some of them are drop dead gorgeous. 
and they've been together for a year, two years, three years, and and anybody on Instagram would, would oh, she's a supermodel, she's incredible, and and the guys they come to me and say, Adam, I don't get it. I don't understand why my drive is down. Is it something wrong with me? I've been to the doctor. They checked me out. There's no problem. And I say, bro, when was the last time that you really were able to open up and connect with her? And he said, what? And they'll say, like, recently I had a guy say this, like, Adam, what do you mean? Mm. What do you mean? Well, when was the last time you were able to just kind of let your walls down and be you with her? Or do you always feel like you have to perform? Yeah, and, I, can't, I can't be. Women will weaponize my emotions. And that's it. Women like, will tear me down. She, she, she doesn't have time to deal with me. That would be a burden. That would burden her. Mm. And that's what's underneath it. Yes, there's fear of this will be used against me. I will get hurt. But then if they think, if they stop for a moment and say, this is a good woman, she actually is a good human being, then it switches to okay, she's a good human being, but nobody has time for my feelings. Because again, if you go back, if you look to trace it back, I like to peel that onion, because typically when you go back to their childhood, a lot of these guys were the support for their mothers. Oh man, it's They so were true. the support system. So they became their mother's the co-regulator or, or they became her therapist Often. because dad wasn't around. Right. So again, it's like they get into that, they, that, that relationship pattern and they feel, gosh, like, here we go again. Yeah. I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to be there for this woman. Oh yeah. And, and, and on the internet, we have the red pill, right? Deep red pill community. It's one of the only places where men can go to get dating tactics right now, mm-hmm. which I understand why it's attractive because we don't have that messaging much anymore. Where where can I go to learn about how to romance a woman? Well, nowhere. Oh, wait, here's the red pill community. And it's mixed in with so much poison. But the reason men go there isn't to drink poison. It's to go there to say, look, I, I have been around all these crazy women all my life. I had to regulate my mom. It seems like most women make me try to regulate them. How do I get my needs met? And the answer in a lot of those circles is here's the buttons to push. Here's how to stay safe. Here's how to manage. And most of the tactics are actually designed for women with either severe attachment issues or personality disorders. It's not usually healthy women they're trying to aim for because most of them probably haven't met a healthy woman before, to be honest. But that's, I think, what you and I are changing, I hope. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you and I teach those skills. When those guys find us, I get the post-red pill guys, Adam. I'm out of red pill and I feel disgusted by, you know, all all these things that I learned and I don't want to do that anymore. I've slept with 20 women, but I've connected with zero of them. What is the next answer? (laughs) The red pill just teaches you how to keep in look. I'm not that biased to think that there isn't something that you can potentially take from any particular space, right? Like I have read some of the books I've read you know, Rolo's book, mm-hmm. uh, whoever wrote it, the rational male mm-hmm. I've read, I've read certain things and is, is it 100% wrong? No, 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 there's definitely some, some things in there that, that are truthful, but what the red pill and all these manosphere, it doesn't get to the root of the problem. So what, what happens is right. Is that we'll get, I say this all the time with, I'll get a lot of coaching clients who, who aren't getting the results because they're they're just, it's just more tactics. Yes. They're just getting the same type of things and yeah. they're, they're attracting the same type of women because they're still broken. They're like, okay, this isn't working. And so I get like the graduates of the red pill. And yes. when, when, when the men who take my course, the first part of it basically discusses in, in much greater detail mm-hmm. what you and I just spent mm-hmm. 20 minutes talking about. Mm-hmm. And they tell me that it is the first time mm-hmm. they have ever heard anything like this, Absolutely. you know, in an hour and a half, I basically, I basically map out why you, because a lot of us and a lot of the people in the dating space, you're just on autopilot. You didn't, you don't know what you don't know. And that's how I, I got into this business is that it was through my own self-transformation. It was through stopping and saying, okay, what is happening in my patterns and the relationships that I'm creating and why, how do I stop those patterns? And then once I had someone point out to me, okay, this is what you potentially are attracting. This is what's happening. And this is the reason why that's what the red pill. And that's what the manosphere doesn't do. They don't peel back the layers and they don't get to the root of the problem. It's just a bandit bandit that they put over it. And they say here, try this. 
this will work, go get your bag. And it's, it just makes the avoidant <laughs> more avoidant, more obsessed and attract more emotionally unavailable women. Here's, here's how I see it is the red pill, the things that are good in it. And, and Rolla was fairly clear when, when, when he wrote this book, he's published this book, he's talked about it. Mm-hmm. He took so much from evolutionary psychology and that's the, the red pills usually where first guys first encounter evolutionary psychology. I learned it in school. But most people don't go to graduate school and get a master's degree in psychology like I did. So most people encounter evolutionary psychology through the red pill practice, the same place they encounter dating, the same place they encounter so many things. And okay, great. But here's the second part. Here's the poison part inside of red pill and and inside, unfortunately, a lot of dating coaches online is they say, okay, dating's terrible. Relationships are awful. Most people aren't going to care about you. When you're in a relationship that feels awful and the other person doesn't really care about you, here's how to get your needs met. Mm. And that's the dating advice that they provide. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be, it's, 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 you're just going to be in a relationship where the other person won't really care about you. Mm-hmm. Here's how to get your needs met anyway. Here's how to make them take you seriously. And it's like manipulation. And this is how you show, this is, these are the topics that you talk about. Don't text her between the dates because then you will trigger her abandonment and she will be obsessed with getting your love. The only woman, the only women who are going to fall for that or be attracted to that or even entertain that are women who are also looking for the cheap dopamine hits that are also just that don't know what true intimacy feels like, where it feels consistent, where it feels I I can ask for my needs to be met and they're going and they're going to be met. And if they're not going to be met, then I am going to move on to someone who can meet my needs. And that that was why I built with my attachment boot camp video course. That was why I built it to say, look, you don't have to be in relationships that are awful with people that don't care about you. (laughs) Number one, you don't have to settle for that. Mm-hmm. So here's why you have settled for that. Here's what attachment is. Attachment theory in a nutshell. Here's what it is. Here's why you have been making those choices. Here's why you're surrounded by people that don't care about you over and over and over. It's not that good ones don't exist. You don't connect to good ones. Or you're not attra- You're not attracted. You don't have the chemistry right. to you're, the good ones. You're not signaling to them. You're blind to them and they're blind to you. You are over here in this dating pool. Let's fix that. Mm-hmm. Let's fix what you expect. Let, let's show, let's show you how to accept better and expect better yeah. and then find people who also want to build better. And then you work with them. So in part three of my boot camp course, it, it goes from fix you, then fix your friendships and your social network and work relationships, fix your life. Mm-hmm. And then in part three, connect to somebody that actually cares about you mm. and and that caring for you fulfills them so it's not like you're going to find you know mother Teresa. you're not looking for a saint who altruistically only cares about you no it, we're not talking about the, the unicorn effect find somebody who is fulfilled by also caring about you so that you they can they can actually love you do that and then build a relationship that feels good when guys do that, that, that is where their life changes. It sounds like you've encountered that too. Can you tell me about a time so the, the people at home can hear? Because maybe there's a guy listening who's like, nah, this isn't real. This is this is unicorns farting rainbow. Like, <laughs> like this doesn't happen. Can you tell them about it? What is one guy who went from every woman is crazy, I have to settle, to, you know what, maybe there's something to this, to, you know what, I've actually found her. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me one guy and, and protect his privacy, right? All that stuff yeah. as we, as we always do as coaches, but can you tell me about a guy like that? Absolutely. So actually, you know, I will say he was in the military, very handsome guy, very, you know, masculine, very dashing and, and successful business owner. But what he was attracted to, well, unfortunately he had had, an affair, mm. which a lot of these guys do. Mm-hmm. And what he was attracted to was a married woman. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was a he. He thought that he thought that you know he was going to be different. Mm-hmm. That 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 he she was going to be attracted to him, and that they mm-hmm. were going to live happily ever after, mm-hmm. and they were going to leave their marriages and mm-hmm. find each other. Mm-hmm. But what happened? 
was, you know, a year and a half goes by and she leaves mm -hmm. and says, I not, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not attracted to you. Mm -hmm. Something's missing because he thought that he was safe. And, you know, so what we did was we really worked on what is it like to, to encounter some of these women? What are some of the signs? Mm -hmm. Right. And she would say, she, she came in and said, I love you, you know, two <laughs> weeks in, I'm mm -hmm. like, okay. Mm -hmm flashing red mm -hmm. lights like mm -hmm. that's a that's no yeah. yeah um but a lot of these guys and with this one in particular he was confusing what chemistry was with just a pure level of of excitement and rush mm -hmm. and dopamine mm -hmm. and um the thrill of the chase novelty novelty it was like i am going to get this and then when i get this this is the prize yeah. but that that intuitive process you have to break down so what we do with him and and with a lot of my clients is if something is feeling really like you're on a roller coaster mm -hmm. and your gut and your you feel like you're about to get on and off and you can't wait to hear from her or you can't wait to see her or this sex is super passionate and it's hot and heavy slow down, yeah. slow down, yeah. because that is telling me that there might be some things in you that is you're recreating from childhood. You, because that's not necessarily what consistent love feels like. Mm -hmm. And we have to really break down what is attraction? What is chemistry? What do you need to feel versus what you're feeling now in order to have a sustainable relationship. And they think that they have to give up chemistry. They think that they have to give up that feeling in order for things to be safe, but they don't, right. they don't. It just feels, it's, it's like the chemistry builds. It's like a slow build mm -hmm. and then it's fireworks, six months, nine months, like when the woman is safe and when she's connected yeah. and you are, you know, having eye contact during sex. And when you're feeling like, oh my gosh, we're really working towards something. Mm -hmm. But a lot of, if you are, this guy in particular was like, man, he was pedestalizing and he was really like chasing, 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 earning, earning, earning chemistry, mm -hmm. chemistry, chemistry. Mm -hmm. And then it was just crashing yep. and burning every single that. time. So it's Absolutely. really coming up with a new, uh, uh, just a new ideology and uh, reframing what, what a relationship really should be looking like mm -hmm. and what true attraction should feel like. And mm -hmm. it, and it takes a while. I mean, mm -hmm. they might go out with 30 women. I say, okay, we're going to start this and mm -hmm. we're going to check in on how you feel mm -hmm. and look at some of the characteristics of what you value. These are some of the type of questions that you ask to oh, understand. Yeah. Do you value the same things? Are you looking for the same things in a future of relationship? Has she done work on herself emotionally? What has she done to look at what her old patterns are? Because if a woman can't necessarily have these conversations with you, and if she can't talk about these things, mm -hmm. that's an alarm bell. That tells me that she potentially hasn't Should done a, a lot of work to self-reflect. <laughs> and she's also just trying to hook you in Absolutely. with also women will use sex. Oh, yeah. They'll use sex because <laughs> yeah. they're using, they're trying to get that love from their father figure. Mm -hmm. So, so a woman who kind of comes in anyway, with this client, we broke all that down. We reframed how he was entering into a relationship, what type was, what chemistry and attraction was. And now he is with a beautiful woman. They are in a very long-term sustainable relationship. And I get updates and pictures and pictures of them on vacation. And he's good. What about you? You know, we've talked a lot about guys, guys, guys on this. And, and you and I end up coaching a lot of guys, right? I have a lot of women in my private coaching community in the attachment circle. And a lot of women take my attachment bootcamp course, especially they take it with their, their partner. But I have actually coached a lot of women. And, and interestingly, here's what's cool about women is they usually try to come in as a couple. They come in like, Adam, we either need to fix up something or Adam, it is like, we want to save it. And, and I, I got to give props to women because they try so hard. They do everything to fix a relationship mm. before they're usually out of it, right? Women get a lot of crap on the internet for just being like, eh, and I'm out. It's all good. I don't care anymore. I'm just detached. No, women like women will bleed for 
10 years try and read every book and, and she every will try, she will place the book on his and, nightstand and, and, right? and say please read it and it'll right? be sitting there collecting dust for a year and yes. then he'll go why is she leaving me yeah, correct correct so um i would love to talk a little bit if we can about either women or, or couples as we go along tell me adam what type of couples have you encountered within your practice, within your coaching practice? What are some things that women are desperate to try? Oh, man, uh, to help to help women with that. I have had so many women come to me that I designed the eight session relationship rescue package. And I had one couple come in and I'll never forget this couple. I'll keep this private for them. But, but um, they came in two weeks after they discovered he was having an affair. Mm. Two weeks. So it was still raw. And by the way, she was pregnant. Oh, she was pregnant and he was having an affair and he wasn't sure he wanted to stay. And she hoped he would stay because they were about to have a baby. But she was also really, really pissed. Yeah. <laughs> and they had no idea. They said, Adam, we don't know if this is salvageable. You tell us. And they walked in two weeks after the affair. So we did a full assessment on the relationship. They still loved each other, but their needs were zero. They, totally unfulfilled totally unfulfilled in the pantry of love it was nothing but dust mm. and they were they both actually had uh he had avoidant attachment she had anxious attachment she was eager to please he was please stay away <laughs> and he was getting his needs met that novelty connection with the other woman mm -hmm. and there was no emotional bond yet with the other woman but he was getting that novelty where it felt good that was the only thing he had ever recognized so it took us two more sessions. I said, guys, here's your problem. Attachment is the problem. I need to teach you this and things will be okay. We will make this decision together, but let me teach you. Give me three weeks. I said, you've come in on an eight session package. Give me three weeks before anybody makes a choice. Guy, before you leave, lady, before you, before you, you shoot him in the head, whatever. <laughs> Give me three weeks. So sec first session, deep assessment. You guys still love each other. We can make this work, yes. Second session, everything about attachment theory, everything, deep dive, everything I knew crammed into one hour and it blew their freaking minds. They had no idea that, that you could have emotional intimacy, no idea what, what bonding could feel like outside of novelty dopamine, no idea that they could have deeper conversations with each other. So we didn't have time to get into those conversations yet, but by the end of session two, there was some hope there. And he was kind of looking at his wife a little bit, like instead of looking away from her, he was kind of looking at her and she was kind of calming down, not angry bristled. Session three hit. Okay, guys, here's what you're going to start doing. Here's how you're going to share some needs with each other and open up on purpose. And they're, oh, nope, wait, here's how we're going to do it. We're going to make it really simple. Let me write this script for you. Let me write this for you. Read it to each other tonight. Read it out loud and then fill in the blanks for yourself. So I'll make it so easy. And then every three days, you're going to check in and what I call the state of the unions, the state of the union check in. It's a masculine, it's so masculine, it hurts. But here's how you're going to, instead of saying, how are you feeling? You're going to give a score. You're going to do this. Here's how you're going to do this. Here's how you walk through the conversation. Here's the questions you are not allowed to ask, right? Just as important as the questions you have to ask. They started doing this. The fourth session, fourth session. They walked back in my office. This was three weeks, roughly three weeks, about five weeks after the fair. Five weeks after they discovered the affair, they were more in love than they had ever been. All of a sudden, the walls were crashing down. Ooh, give me like one question that you would say to... One question to ask? Yeah. Okay, so the State of the Union speech. It is designed to push through this idea that our relationship is only hanging together by spit and string. And if we ever, ever call the other person's attention to the relationship, they'll say, wow, you're right. It's garbage. It's terrible. I'm, I'm out. out of here. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> and they'll bail. And the only thing holding you together is not acknowledging how bad things are. That's, that's the idea that we run within marriage, right? I've been married almost 15 years now. I know what that feels like in the early stages, but I guide them through and say, look, you're going to go to the other person. You're going to sit down and you'll each answer this question. Go out on a date at least once a week. But for them, it was every three days. How are you feeling in our relationship? Mm -hmm. How do you feel about the relationship? How are you feeling in the relationship on a scale of one to 10? With one being you're dead to me, 10 being I could never be happier. It's perfect. And here's what you're going to do. You are not allowed to ask 
The other person, once they give their number, you can never ask them why. Mm-hmm. You are not allowed because they will never answer that question honestly ever again for the rest of their life if you have to make them justify it. Mm-hmm. So here's and I'll just one more piece. Here's the follow-up. You can only ask them, how can we, as a couple, how can we help you go up one point? Mm-hmm. So for them, they started off, she was at a four. Actually, they were both at fours. I think he was at three. How can we help you go up one point? Well, nobody's ever going to tell you one point. Well, I need to wash my socks. No, no one's going to tell you that. You're not allowed to ask why or what did I do wrong or why is it that low or hey, and justify it. How do we as a couple, teamwork, help you go up one point? Even asking that question shows empathy and care. You've already made them go up one point. Mm -hmm. They're then going to share something that is really painful on their heart. You know, well, this this is really hurting me right here. And then this is this is the biggest problem right here. Okay. How can, how can we help you fix that? Well, this is what I would need more and more of this, not less of this, more of this. Okay, let's do that. By verbally committing to it, you help them go up a second point because you care. You didn't scream at them. And here's the magic. When you do it, you go up a third point. So when they walked back in, he was at a six from a three to a six. She was from a four to a seven. Mm. Boom. Instant connection. They were sitting together on the couch. They weren't like, oh, oh, puppy, but they were sitting together on the couch instead of complete opposite ends. Mm. Therapy, Mary, Mary, you know, marriage therapists and, and now couples coaches, we we track where you sit in the room, right? Oh, of course. And they Body were, language. They, they, through the sessions, they came together more like this yeah. and they were, t- they were touching and, and she had her hand on his thigh and he wasn't pulling away. He was kind of, the shoulders were touched and they talked about how they, 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 instead of getting dopamine. They opened up and relaxed with each other and got oxytocin. Mm-hmm. And oxytocin, as you know, is it's like heroin. It's like, a, oh, let me sh- give you a shot of heroin right in the neck. It's, it's incredible. And it's what they had been chasing. And they both said, this is what I've been chasing my whole life. And the guy said, I can't believe I was about ready to throw this away for somebody that it didn't feel this good with the other girl. I, I, I thought that was all there was. I'm so sorry. And she said, well, I, I, I didn't know that we could even do this either. Yeah. And, and because they could acknowledge that both of them had been starving, they were able to come together and love each other. I think the, the biggest takeaway that I heard from that is as women also that I've coached, um, the biggest thing that they fear, right, is that abandonment. Oh, yeah. So if you are honest. Honesty without the fear of abandonment is what leads to oxytocin and long-term bonding. Mm-hmm. And so many women will tell me they're, they're, they're so afraid because they potentially had a father or they had that trauma or they all, they all also had a mom mm-hmm. who was super, super demanding of them and who was a little bit narcissistic herself. Mm-hmm. So her needs never got met. So mm-hmm. she just goes and wants to please and please and please. And then she'll she'll just twist herself into a pretzel and then become insanely resentful. Mm -hmm. And then the guy's going, why are you such a biatch to Mm -hmm. be around? And it's because she held in for years, five years, 10 years without talking about what she needed because she was so afraid that her needs weren't going to get met. So if I, if I can, you know, if the women who are watching, the only way you are going, and especially in dating too, oh, yeah. is you are going to scare off the wrong types of people if you state your needs. Absolutely. And that if they cannot meet you or if they flee, great, great sign. Like we want that to happen. <laughs> can I, Can I? because um, that's a brilliant point. And so many women, they try to be nice and 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 give by never asking and it destroys everything. Can I do a tactic with you, a technique really yes. quick that I do with my clients? Yes. I, I think people at home will, will, will find this helpful. So uh, I call this the good partner, bad partner technique. And I think you've, we've talked about this a little before, but I want to actually run you through it. I've never done this before. So Ooh. let's see if we can reveal something creepy about your or loving or, or secret <laughs> or intimate to the audience, right? No, no, we'll, we'll be good. It'll be fun. Um, do me a favor. I'm going to have you close your eyes, if you would, please. Close okay. your eyes. Everybody at home, you can see me putting bunny ears behind Sarah's head. No. Um, I'm going to have you close your eyes and I'm going to ask you three questions. But first, I want to walk you through a hypothetical situation. After that, we're going to I'll ask you questions and we'll walk you through a different hypothetical. Okay. So in this hypothetical, I want you to imagine that you are with the perfect partner. Right. And maybe it's it's uh, 
Chris Hemsworth or, or Keanu Reeves or whoever it is at home. I, I like John Wick. So for me, it's Keanu Reeves. No. Um, Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. He just he just recently split up. So there you go. He's he's single. It's Ooh. Hugh, if you're out there, Sarah is a, <laughs> Hugh Jackman. So let's imagine that your perfect partner, right? When he wants something from you, he's just very clear and just asks. He doesn't stomp his foot. He doesn't demand. He doesn't say, hey, you're going to do this for me. He says, hey, you know what? This would mean a lot to me. Is this something we can do? Could you do this for me? Or under what circumstances could we do this? Can we take care of it? Because it's important. Right? He's very clear. He's very clear. You never have to wonder because it's right there. When you do something he doesn't like, he tells you right away. He doesn't yell. He doesn't throw the spaghetti plate against the wall like they've done in cliche movies. He just says, oh, you know what? Hey, it's okay because you didn't know. Um, but I, I, this is this is not my favorite thing here. This, though, this is my favorite thing. Could you do this? this, this helpful. You know, I, I have a food allergy here. This, but this would be great. Or, hey, you know what? I didn't like this thing. Or you know, whatever it is. He, he tells you what he doesn't like immediately. You're not embarrassed. It's right away. There's no anger. And he shows you a better way. He shows you what he does prefer. And when you do something he likes, he is just thankful. He takes the time to be grateful and say, you know what? Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Maybe here's, here's a reason it meant even more to me than you realized. And he's just grateful. Do me a favor and open your eyes and answer me these three questions. Do you feel like he trusts you? Yes. Good. Good answer. See, and I like that because you're secure. A lot of people will say, no, there's a secret motive here. It's too good to be true. <laughs> right. And I've had that. And a lot of people with avoidant attachment, that's the answer they give. They say, this is too good to be true. There's something weird here. Oh, It feels yeah. suspicious. This is why they run away from a, from securely attached people because it feels so uncomfortable. Mm. So great answer, Sarah. You're secure. Test pass. Uh, number two is in this relationship, if you were getting feedback, hey, here's my needs. Hey, I didn't like that, but I like this. Oh, you did it. It's amazing. Thank you so much. Constant feedback, constant feedback. And you always knew that you were what you were doing right all the time and you and he helped you would you feel like a pretty confident partner like a good girlfriend absolutely right goes through the roof right you would heal this yeah. would be healing even if you walked in insecure absolutely third question then do you feel like this relationship would last a good long time 100 percent. right that's all those are the key ingredients that you need that's how you avoid divorce. because yeah nothing there's no secrets um i know where i stand all the time yeah. i'm not if you're walking out the door upset or angry or not talking or I don't being stonewalled, I'm going, then I, then I'm sitting here thinking for the whole day, what did I do? What right. was, what was, what was wrong? You know, all the tactical things that people do when they're, when they don't feel safe in relationships. Absolutely. So it, it's, it's, it's a perfect example. There you go. Our, my, is there anything else? Oh yeah, no, we're we're going we're going for the bad one next. No, oh, close your eyes and we'll do this. If you okay. if you cry during this one, it's okay. I won't oh, hold it against you. I want you to imagine you have the worst partner mm -hmm. in the world. Don't say who it is in the celebrity world. <laughs> They'll sue us. No, um, I want you to imagine that you have the worst partner. This person, when they want something from you, they don't ask. They hint. They leave the book on your nightstand instead of asking you to read it, right? Your example of women just a moment ago. Uh, they want sex, so they wash the dishes, but they don't even mention sex or, or even talk to you about it or even touch you. They want something for their birthday, but they don't even tell you it's their birthday. Mm. They don't tell you every every hint every hint can be denied. i'm getting anxiety right right, right. it's terrible uh, everything is a hint you have to decipher and if you do decipher it there's plausible deniability because they're embarrassed no 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 it's not a big deal don't worry about it no i didn't mean that so you never really know what they want from you if you do something they don't like or you miss a hint they don't tell you right away they're nice they're so nice about it. They don't mention it. They might even be so nice that they say, no, that was great. No, I loved that you cooked it that way. No, it was, oh, the sex was, was great that way. That's no, fine. No, I, I love I love that color on you. That's, that's totally cool. They say this and they're nice and nice and nice until they have a bad day about three, four months in. 
every three or four months, they have a bad day. And out of the blue, they blow up at you and tell you all of the things that you have been doing wrong. And because they've held it in for three or four months, they are furious. And it is, why don't you know this? You should know me by now. You don't love me if you're not paying attention. I shouldn't have to tell you. And you never know when the next blow up's coming. So you can never really trust when they're nice and smiling and telling you things things are great. This is a nightmare. Can I know. I open my eyes I, now. Oh, almost there. We're almost there. I, I'm gonna take you. I'm gonna take you. Take you to the, the, the finish I'm line. I'm an American horror story. I, I know. I know. And one one last thing: when you do something right, because you do, you're not a bad person. When you do something right, they are so embarrassed. They are. They feel like it's a debt. You don't have to do this to me. This is too much. Why did you do this? How am I supposed to pay you back? What can I do for you right now? How much was this? They don't appreciate it. There's no gratitude. It's treated like a burden. Do me a favor and open your eyes. All right, we're out. I know. Take a breath. Take a breath. Do we need to go to like, you know, technical difficulties? Do we need to... You need a. You I need some. Need a drink. I, I totally, totally with you. And you were in. You were in this fake relationship for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Some people are in that for years. I see why antidepressants are, are yes. prescribed. That's what I'm thinking. So, answer me these three questions. Do you feel like that person trusts you? No. No. Not God. At all. Not at all. Do you feel in this relationship like your confidence would go up or down? Down. Even if you walked in secure, you'd take some pretty severe wounding, right? 100%. Do you feel like that relationship would be nice and stable and you could relax into it knowing it would last for a long time? No. That feels like I'd be walking on eggshells the whole time not knowing when the, my partner's going to have a bad day. And walking on eggshells is exactly right. So here's here's the kicker. Number one, I said perfect partner and, and bad partner, but... The only differentiation was if they were honest about their needs and their wants. Mm-hmm. I didn't say, you know, they're gorgeous. You know, she has, she has, you know, tri- double D's. Yeah, I didn't mention that, you know, or, or, or he is, he is ridiculously gorgeous. I, I, he's rich. He's, he's six foot five. No, I didn't even describe that. Right. We had Hugh Jackman and, and yeah, he's great. But, <laughs> but what made the first partner great was that they were so honest. Mm-hmm. They shared their needs. Men and women can do this. Yeah. But here's here's the really bad part. And, and here's the thing that people at home brace yourself because it'll hurt. If you are not sharing your needs, if you are closed off, if you are silent, if you treat gifts like a burden, and if you are constantly being nice instead of kind and honest, you are the bad partner. To some extent, you are inflicting pain on your partner and you're damaging that relationship and you need to stop. So Sarah, if somebody is listening right now and they're crying a little bit, what is one step you teach people who maybe have that anxious attachment or, or, or they don't share their needs? What, what is one step you teach them to begin sharing their needs without shame, without terror? Because I know you do this for people. Mm-hmm, I do. What's a good step to start sharing needs? Guys, before I walk on set, I make sure that I look good. And the number one way I do that is by using Rugged Legacy Beard Balm. This takes care of everything and holds it in place and gives it a nice shine. If you wondered why I have five kids, this stuff helped. So if you want to have five kids and if you want to look good in your best days, make sure you pick up some of this stuff right now. Start small. Ooh. Don't say, I am. I need you to do X, Y, Z and the whole alphabet <laughs> or else I am out of right. this relationship. Right. Or I need you, even in a dating situation, I need you to text me every day or else I'm out, you're gone, Mm -hmm. this is not working. Mm -hmm. Start small, ask, would you mind picking up dinner for us? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because I've had a really tough day. Context, yes. And I am, you know, just really would love your, your help with this. And then just wait, wait, because you'd be shocked at if you just ask for a small need to be met or if your relationship if you're married babe would you mind picking up the kids because i want to clean up the house or would you mind cleaning up the kids room so that i can go take a shower Mm -hmm. and and potentially 
be ready for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I can be fresh, so I can mm -hmm. feel not exhausted, so mm -hmm. that we can have a nice evening to ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, if you're dating, would you mind picking the restaurant so that I don't have to, or not even, don't even say that. I, would you mind planning a date for us on Saturday? So go. it's just starting small, realizing that giving the person the opportunity to meet your need instead of saying, ha, see, I, I knew you were gonna meet my need. Mm -hmm. Now that is another question. If they don't meet your need on a small request, mm -hmm then that is a deep reflection that you have to take within yourself to yeah. say, why am I staying in this? Yeah. If I am not safe to, to speak aloud the smallest need, then how is this person going to meet the biggest need if I get cancer, yes. if something yes. happens, if my mom dies, if I need that person to be there for me. But when you, when you start small and realize give the person the benefit of the doubt and the opportunity to meet you there. And you realize that you're not going to die by asking for just a small need to be met. Then you start to create safety mm -hmm. and you keep, and you go back and women, why I think there are so many women who are in this masculine energy and who are in their, their protective mode. It's because they don't feel safe, but they don't necessarily feel safe within themselves. Mm -hmm. They don't feel safe to ask for their needs to be met because no one has been able to do that for them. Mm -hmm. So they just think, you know what? Fine. Forget you. I don't need you. And the biggest thing that you can say to a man that is going to push him away is I don't need you. Men recoil at that, but because this woman has not been able to trust a man to meet her needs, but it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, Adam. I see it all the time. And it's something that, that women, we have to own. We have to own, let a man show up for you, right. ask, right. and you shall receive. And yep. if you don't, then let him fly, it's, it's, let him go. It's just like the old hold the door conundrum. So I grew up in California where, uh, if you, hold, oh, if you hold you a poor, door for a woman, poor chap. I remember when I was 10 years old, my father taught me hold doors for women. It is polite. It is polite to do it. They shouldn't have to hold the door. It wasn't, they can't like women can't open doors. Women shouldn't have to, you should take care of that for them mm -hmm. as a show of respect. Mm -hmm. Cool. I remember being 10 years old and I was walking into a department store. There was an older woman. I held the door for her. It was the first time I ever got to do it. I was 10 years old. I was so proud. I was like, oh, and I held the door for her and she walked through the door and said, how dare you hold this door for me? I don't need you to do this. And she walked through, she, she took advantage of it, but she just was vicious to me. Wow. As she walked through the door and I just, I remember being like blindsided, like, I, I, I did the right thing. Why did this happen to me? And it, I remember that here's, here's the thing is maybe a woman doesn't need a man, right? It's, it's a man. What's, what's the saying? A woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. Fair and point. I've heard this. Okay, sure. In modern day, a woman doesn't need a man to go out and hunt a mammoth and come back and build the fire and protect her from a saber tooth tiger. Okay. Fair point. But there's a difference between dependence, right? I am dependent on a man. And we are a couple who chooses to be voluntarily interdependent with each other, mm -hmm. right? The man gives his needs to the woman. He could maybe meet him on his own. He's not going to die. But he chooses to give his needs to her to get them met so he can be more than he would be without that. Mm. And she chooses to give her needs to the man so that he can take care of those and she can be more than she would be without him. Yes. Voluntary interdependence is one of the best things a couple can learn. And I am of the belief, you know, you'll see a lot of these Instagram coaches and I see a lot of women in the comments and men in the comments. I'm, I am in my masculine because he's in his feminine. <laughs> I, am, I am not able to relax into my feminine. And I'm like, honey, ladies, mm -hmm. You create that femininity within yourself mm -hmm. and you can, you can inspire him to be able to take care of you, to want to take care of you. If you show him the gratitude and the appreciation for when he does meet his needs, because men, 
oh my gosh, when they get that, I, oh, I am the hero. I want to do more for her. <laughs> like they feel such, they feel such pride yes. when they get that. If that woman said, looked at you, you know, a little boy and said, oh, Thank you so much. That's so very kind of you. I have a similar story. I was in Texas. I spent nine years in Texas, you know, formulating my career. And I was, I, I would grew up in the West. So when I moved there uh, the first time there was a hurricane brewing, it, everybody was at the store, but was getting hurricane preparedness. And I had a very sweet, sweet gentleman checking me out. And he said, ma'am, are you going to be okay? Did you get everything that you needed? And I went, ma'am. And I've, oh, I've been 25 at the time. So I didn't, you know, yeah. I didn't think about it, but it was the first time that I had ever been called something that made me feel so feminine. Uh -huh. and, 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 and he, he cared about my well-being, mm -hmm. and I thought, "Oh, I love the South. This is one. <laughs> I can hang out here for a right. little bit." And it was true. I thought, "This is this place. These men, they're they're you know they're the South. They they know for having yeah. some some yeah, masculine yeah, yeah. you know tendencies and maybe a little you. bit more traditional, but it made me feel so so safe. So, but you know, I think the takeaway is that we have to heal those wounds right Absolutely. within ourselves look at how our childhood impacts how we show up in relationships mm -hmm. and and how what we project onto our partners mm -hmm. and realize that we can heal but we have to take accountability for how we are showing up first before we can expect our partners to be able to show up for us and to meet our needs That's we so have to be the ones first be the change that you want to see hello yeah. that it's saying is true for you for the world for your relationship so adam we have we have covered quite a bit i think that we've got we do, you know you know what's so fun one, one last thing here is, is being a coach I, I was a therapist for many years and i loved it but as a therapist you're treating diagnoses right yeah. um if an athlete gets really like injured on the field like you know they have a torn acl or, or whatever kind of injuries they get they go to a therapist, they get it repaired, they get back to the field, they try to get back to original condition before the injury, and then they go on their way, right? Cool. And that's necessary. That's a therapist. But a coach, right? Olympic athletes hire coaches. Professionals hire coaches. Why? Because I'm stuck somewhere and don't know how to overcome this barrier. Yeah. because I want to reach that spot. I want to achieve something. I know it's there. I've, I've known it's always been there, but I don't know how to get there. You don't go to a doctor. You hire a coach who's been there or who has been trained to get you there. And that's one thing I love so much in my shift from therapy to coach and, and being able to talk shop with you. Mm -hmm. How do we get our clients to those places. How do we get them to those objectives? That's what I live for. And I know yeah. it's what you do too. So a lot of red tape sometimes in therapy that you have to jump over. And, and I think that as a coach, you have the freedom to create a little bit more of a, a little bit more of a closer relationship. Sometimes yeah. I think with therapy, there's, yeah, there's insurance and there's all sorts of things that can really create a, a barrier yeah. between, and, and that's a whole other conversation, but so look, I mean, I, I think what we cover with you in your course, you kind of kind of the why and the attachment stuff and really understanding, you can go over a little bit more what you kind of, you know, sure. your course. And for sure. me, it's mine is really the why behind why we get into destructive relationships and then how to connect, how to connect with the opposite sex, like the things that I was talking about, like how to really truly build that polarity and get into your feminine, get into your masculine, be able to talk about what you need dating with intention. I have a, a whole section on how to date with intention. And it sounds like yours is really getting to the root, right? Before, before you kind of get back out there and go in there, it's like, let's fix the self esteem. Yes. Let's, I love your book, slay the dragon. Let's like get you to a place where you're healthy and you feel confident and able to get out in, in the relationship that you want to be in. So tell us a little bit where we can find you and yeah, your products. Absolutely. So my attachment boot camp video course, it helps you fill in the skill gaps that you don't even know you have the things you never learned how to do the ideas you don't even have yet. Here is what you can have, right? The attachment bootcamp video course is on adamlanesmith.com. There's links down in the show notes and in the description, depending on how you're watching or listening to this. 
I will say this. If you want an Olympic level relationship, you need to hire an Olympic level coach. And you've heard me and Sarah go back and forth. Decide for yourself if you want a relationship like we can teach you to build. Thank you so much for joining us on the I Wish You Knew podcast. You can also find me at sarahdonmore.com and all the links will be in the description. And we look forward to seeing you on the next one. Thanks, Adam, for an amazing conversation. Thank you, Sarah.